0: Welcome to the Larketops podcast with Jimmy, Remy, and Maya. This week we are going to be exploring the long story of Britain's oldest brewer, Shepherd Neame, all the way from the heart of Kent, Faversham.
1: It's been a little while since we were last able to record, as I have been a noel, So there's quite a lot to catch up on. Jimmy, have you drunk any good beers recently? Not particularly,
2: except we went to Manchester this weekend uh, and it's the first time. I've been in a pub in Manchester, well, in Middleton for ages. And they every pub in Middleton is a JW Lees Brewery pub. And they I had a lot of Lees bitter last night. I was saying I don't think I've had that beer on draft in probably 18 months now. So it was quite nice because it's very, very malty, nice, bitter. But yeah, apart from that, not really.
1: I saw that you purchased the Cranbourne Poacher.
2: Yeah, I haven't drunk it yet.
1: Haven't oh, drunk yet. I'm interested. Saving that.
2: I mean, if I had it in the fridge, I could swap it out for the beer that I now cannot drink. <laughs> but it, it's not—it's cellar temp at the moment. Not even cellar no, temp; no. it's covered temp.
1: You—you you should save that for an evening where it can be savoured and enjoyed.
0: So, just to confirm, during this episode, we're going to try a couple of uh, shepherd names each. Well. I'm going to drink mine. Maya's going to taste hers and spittoon it out because she's on medication. That means she can't drink. So, Jim, just... You've got an, an East Indian... An East India? What am I talking about? An Indian pale ale shepherd name that you bought from the shelf. Didn't notice anything wrong with it. And you've... You've... You know, don't think you've manhandled it too badly. And you've come to put it out of the fridge this evening. It's not leaking or anything. Um, but it is, in fact, half full.
2: Yeah. I bought these... A week ago, it sat in the fridge chilling for the last week. I got it from a local off-license. And I must admit, when I looked in the fridge earlier, I noticed the lid is slightly... or well, the cap is not quite on. But I thought, oh, that's odd. Well, it's not, not on, but it's got a bit of a dent in it. I thought, Ugh. And I've just taken it out of the fridge, and it's literally half empty. But it hasn't leaked in the fridge, and it's been lying down for the last week. So, I don't understand how it can be lying there... <laughs> And not leaking, but it, the liquid's obviously gone somewhere. It's the angel share, like they do in whiskey, it's evaporated. I mean, it's probably now the most strong, potent pa- India pale ale on the planet. <laughs> you know, it, it's been concentrated. It's like in pale ale juice or squash.
1: Fridge um, aged, yeah.
2: Distilled. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to give it a sip, but I. I don't think it's going to be...
1: Maybe you should have a spittoon, yeah. just in case. I'm going to give it a,
2: you sniff don't want a, and a, s- a sniff and a sip, but I don't think I'll be drinking a lot of it because it looks like it might have... I mean, the air's got in there. It, it does look quite flat as well, so I imagine it's not pretty much good. Ooh. 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 Yeah, it doesn't smell <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's really flat, so I think it's going to be... No, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> there you go. That's that, That's that solved. Oh, that's... Okay,
0: so that's our first review done. Shepherd Neem Indian Pale Ale. Yeah,
2: half struggling. Yeah, that's not nice. It's, it's, like, it's like sherry. <laughs> oh, I know I've got into that a bit that soon. Sounds it's revolting. Yeah, very sweet. Very rich. But saying that, all the beers I've ended up with, all these Neem beers, and I don't want to go into it too soon, but they're all a little bit on the, the, the sherry <laughs> side. Having <laughs> read some reviews and looking at them, and, and even reading how fucking Neem described them. <laughs> but yes, yes. I don't think it was bottled correctly in the factory. I think it was mislidded. But I don't get how it... I'm, I'm amazed that it hasn't leaked everywhere.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that's fascinating me. I'm...
2: Unless it's leaked to the point previously that when you put it horizontal... There's now not any at the
1: Yeah. yeah
0: but you to did to literally turn it upside down a second. Yeah, yeah and, nothing and nothing
2: came, came out. out. I don't
1: How did you get it home? Is it leaked in your car?
2: Well, I <laughs> wondered what that sh- sherry smell has been for the last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came home Swilling it, around. It was literally the, picked in in up the down the road. So yeah, I thought I think I'd have noticed if there was a sticky <laughs> sherry like substance floating around the in the in the footwells.
0: I mean, some people probably pay for that kind of service in their car but yeah. each it's their own the
2: place smells like a brewery <laughs> <laughs>
0: and not a nice one
2: but yeah move on let's forget about the pale ale all f- oh I did all my research on the new pale ale that is dis- well, disappointing
1: you should still give us some info on it oh no that's alright that
2: work
0: okay cool so yeah this episode's all about shepherd neem it's the UK's oldest brewer and they claim the best I think somewhere maybe they're pretty keen on their stuff anyway. They've had a very long history, 323 years, back to the, the date that they say the brew is established, which is 1698. But actually brewing existed on the site before then, and they reckon, now this hasn't been accredited, but they reckon that their site is the oldest continuous manufacturing site in the UK, running back all the way to 1573.
2: Of anything that is, presumably.
0: Yes, yeah, of anything. Any sort of manufacturing on a large scale 1573, they reckon they've got the oldest one. If not, anyway, slightly later, in 1698, they've got the oldest brewer in the UK. They're a brewery, but they also run pub, restaurants, hotels, 320 establishments... Yeah. Oh, here we go. Credit. The majority of their stuffs based in the south east of England. They're still independent. They're owned by the Neem family, uh, and they produce around 60 million pints a year. 2019 revenue was about 145.8 million. So they're a pretty large business, and they employ 1,865 employees. And believe it or not, they export to over 35 countries.
2: They turned over 150 million pounds. Yes,
0: 145.8.
2: Good. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? That is
0: crazy. I know as well from an interview I listened to the chief executive, one of the export markets has actually crashed. They had a big export market in Sweden for their organic Whitstable Bay, but because we've now left the European Union, the chief executive said it it was too much hassle to get the organic product into the European Union, so they've had to say goodbye to that export market, which I thought was quite interesting. Obviously, the Swedes like organic ale, which is not something I thought... Would
2: they be into? They ever
0: say about Sweden? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the very big business really focused on the southeast, and they kind of like really go in for the whole history and the fact they're from they call it Hop Country or whatever in Kent. So, you know, what do you two know about Shepherd Neem before we move into a really exciting piece on the highlights of their 323 year history?
2: I know that I cannot help but call them Shepherd and Neem, not Shepherd Neem, and I don't know why I always well, default to say oh Shepherd and Neem. No, Shepherd Neem. So, shows much I know.
0: To be fair, it was originally the. Well, at one point it was the Shepherds who took over. Right. And then once all the Shepherds left, then it was the Neems. So, I mean. They both had a go. Too far from the back. Bu- yeah, exactly. They both had a crack. Maya, have you had any past experiences with Shepherd Neem? What do you know about them? Give me a, give me a hint of what you're feeling.
1: Well, on one of our previous episodes where we had to bring a beer for an overprotective partner's dad, I bought a Shepardneam beer. And I think that was one of the only Shepardneam beers I've ever really drunk. It's. It, I'm going to be honest, growing up in Wales, literally never heard of it until I moved to London. You, I, I don't think I've ever seen it in any establishment in Wales.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I have any, only ever see their stuff on draft in their own tight houses or like the old rugby club or whatever or it's like very
2: rugby isn't it
0: yeah working men's club or whatever and obviously me and jim have kind of had it rammed down our throats because we're from kent and they really sing and dance about kent but when i was thinking about it earlier you know outside of the southeast i mean is it really a big thing i mean i can't remember any you know when i've lived in other parts of the country anyone Having Shepherd Neem knocking about too much? No,
2: I agree. I think it is predominantly Kent. In my eyes, they, they kind of like they only really make. And I suppose we'll come on to this old man beer, what I would call. <laughs> it's all fuddy wuddy beer, but they are trying. To, they have broken that a bit more recently with the kind of Whistle Bay stuff, but Bishop's Finger things like that. I mean, sort of, you know. Always time to slip in a Bishop's Finger. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those where it's it's very much old bloke propped up at the bar on a Sunday afternoon for hours, that they're the people that drink this beer.
1: I think for me, as with so many beer-related things, I get my opinion kind of from you guys, because I'd never heard of it before, and it is definitely something I've heard Remy talk about. And Remy is never particularly favourable about any of the Shepardine beers, so I guess that's the only real impression I have of it. And I've tried Whitstable Bay and I've tried Spitfire along with that one. What was the one I had? 1698 was the one I had as well. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't like any of them. Whitstable Bay was definitely the best of those three, but I wouldn't pick to, to drink any of them ever again.
0: I actually quite like Whitstable Bay. I like Master Brew and this strong pale ale. That's literally what they call it. It's a bit Ron Seal. I quite like this. But Spitfire, I think, is an atrocious beer. I'd like to um, have that said.
1: I hate this beer.
2: So you're drinking the same beer?
1: Yeah, and I haven't even had to swallow it. Um, it's horrible. It literally tastes like you've put a coin in your mouth. It is so metallic. I
0: think it's quite strawy. No. I wouldn't say it's metallic at all. I mean, taste is, you know, obviously... Very subjective. ...tastes slightly different, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the Whitstall Bay stuff is all pretty good. I do enjoy a pint of Whitstall Bay. You know, if I see that on draft, that I would normally go f- for it. But the more traditional neem things, yes, yeah, Spitfire, Berry Average. Is, I almost think it's one of those beers that's actually better out of a bottle than on draft sometimes, because it's normally going to be a lot colder. And maybe because it's colder, it's less taste, so it's therefore more enjoyable. More palatable. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so kind of a bit mixed from all of us. Let's have a kind of quick jaunt through the history of Shepardneam, because they make a big song and dance about the fact they're the oldest, so I'm assuming some sort of interesting thing happened. I'm, I'm just going to take you through some highlights. Basically, this chap bought a brew house in Faversham in 1570. Essentially, after a while he died, his son died, and his grandson took it over. But in 1648, the grandson who owned the brewery um, was actually banned from brewing in faversham by the parliamentarian faversham corporation couldn't really find out why but i'm guessing it's because either he was a royalist or he did something a bit um do you know what i mean in the late 1670s into the 1680s the, another owner of the brewery died and this other chap richard marsh took over and he was actually the mayor of faversham uh, and he ended up holding james ii as prisoner in the brewery um after king james ran aground off faversham while he was running away from william of orange Nice little fact. Ties it into... They should talk about that more. Yeah, they should talk about that more. I I don't really understand why they haven't done a beer about that. The keepers of James II or the... The I don't know, whatever whatever you want to call it. I thought it was quite interesting. And then in the 1730s, it goes over to the the shepherds and one of them marries this woman called Mary who used to be married to the previous owners who'd all carked it. And anyway, so she owns this brewery and then she marries this guy... And then the history runs that as soon as they're married, the guy immediately takes over running the brewery. Because obviously a woman wouldn't be able to run a brewery, even though women were the majority of brewers in the medieval period. But that was the 1700s for you. Bit of a shit show if you're a woman. blah. another really interesting fact, this is my favourite actually, 1777. They buy a Sun and Planet steam engine from Bolton and Watt in Birmingham. They are one of the first breweries outside of London to have all their operations worked on a sun and planet steam engine, which I thought was really fascinating, uh, and had a nice little tie-in with with you, Jim.
2: Yeah, yeah. You live there. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) really tenuous. Um, And what did they use the steam engine for?
0: Rotating the, like, the wort around and stuff like that. Whatever that word is. And and, and doing the, yeah, yeah, basically.
2: Just as a big mixer? Yeah,
0: kind of. And I'm assuming they used it to maybe, if they processed the hops in a certain way, because the steam engine would also have, like, run belts to, like, move barley and stuff into the mash tons, I'm assuming. But anyway, I don't want to go on about a Sun and Planet steam engine, but if anyone really likes... Industrial Revolution stuff, it's worth Googling. It was quite an interesting video on YouTube. Anyway, basically the shepherds are there, they've quite enterprising, they've got the sun and planet, blah 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 blah. And then the Neems crop up in 1864 when Percy Neem joins the firm. He's actually a hop farmer. And then basically all the shepherds cark it, and then Percy Neem becomes the sole proprietor. And ever since then it's been family run by by the names. And in 1968 they were the first British regional brewer to brew. A lager which was Hurliman, and they went on to their own brand stuff as well so they've got like spitfire lager Whitstable bay lager and all those other bits and bobs
2: to be fair there is actually quite a lot of interesting shit going on there basically
1: so are we to review this beer now
0: yes let us review this beer
1: okay Jimmy, what are you drinking?
2: I've gone for the previously mentioned Bishop's Finger because the India Pale Ale ex- melted away on me. Um, though I do keep going back to try and drink more of it. But I have a smell of it and it's it's literally like sherry. I God knows what percentage it now is. But the Bishop's Finger, I'm f- enjoying it in all honesty. Maybe it's just because it's the first beer I've had today. And it's not too bad. It is, it's fairly strong. It's 5.4%. At the bottle it is less on draft i believe and the name bishop's finger comes from the signposts you'd see pointing towards i think is it canterbury yes yeah, towards
0: thomas beckett's
2: oh yeah yeah thomas beckett memorial or something the shrine of thomas beckett at canterbury cathedral
0: that's great you know i think that's interesting and obviously we all love the story of henry ii going mental and two knights going and killing poor old beckett for no reason blood saying still on the floor a, rent, still there yeah exactly obstinate chap but why haven't they made a beer about i don't know capturing fucking John james the Second or something do you know what i mean like they yeah. keep going on about the history but then they've just adopted a random piece of history yeah
2: i know i know what you mean you kind of think like when they've had an interesting and a long history why not talk about themselves rather than some signposts in kent
1: maybe for legal reasons
2: or so they don't fall foul of any Royalists. Okay,
0: mm. so Jim, talk us through what does She what does shepherd name? What does bishop's finger taste like? Probably quite uncomfortable if you're a choir boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't even want to say that joke. <laughs> right, yeah. We, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to. I'm not going to voice it. though. You know what I was probably about to say. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit of like a dessert beer. If you know what I mean. You know, you get like a dessert wine. I think when I looked it up earlier, and on the website they talk about it being full of like plums and prunes, those kind of really rich, sweet kind of tastes. And you, I do get Ooh, it that. Oh, it sounds
1: like I'd like but, it. To be fair,
2: it's not really hoppy. It is malty and rich. I think you probably would like it. I don't know whether you'd like a lot of it.
1: Yeah. But
2: at the same time, considering it's 5.4%, it's, it's not too overpowering either. It is quite palatable. When I had a look on Untapped earlier, people were giving it... Fair. I mean, the one thing Untapped describes it as a as a strong bitter. I'm not convinced. Disagree. I'm not convinced about that. It's a fashioned on a firm fruity foundation of crystal malt. This rich ruby coloured classic belies its burly appearance with a complexity of flavour and then it says, yeah, prunes, plums and dried apricot.
0: Don't forget being spiked with a palate-prickling pepper, cinnamon and a soft, bitter, blood-orange finish. See, this
2: is when these kind of things just turn into nonsense, don't they? Cinnamon, I... I I wasn't even going to say that just because I just think it's so pretentious. But yeah, it has that kind of... It's fruity, is it?
0: Dessert puddin-y. dessert
2: puddin-y, yeah, yeah. Rather than we keep talking about fruity Beer. beers, it's but it's, it's still very beery. Mm, yeah,
1: Christmassy.
2: Yeah, that's the kind of thing people seem to give it fairly positive reviews on Untapp. Everyone drinking it on Untap seems to be drinking it at home. I don't know if that's just because of we're still coming out of lockdown, or if it's just because when people mm. post things on Untapped, they're doing it out of bottles rather than in pubs. But a lot of people seem yeah. to be buying it in the bottles. It gets three Three two on untapped. Okay, so that's an alright
0: score on untapped, but I mean I'm trying to think of some of the previous scores of drinks, and I think Carling was like two two mid mid Carling in between. Like
2: was two point five nine. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
0: It doesn't feel like a big enough gap.
1: I've not heard anything on untapped above three. Like above sorry, above four. Yeah. The highest I've heard us talk about anything on untapped is like the high threes.
2: But also, the I we I looked it up before, and it's clearly is done on the Americans like it more because it's all the American breweries that get really high, like Goose Island, things like that, yeah. which I think are distinctly. I'm not saying that you know that there aren't good American breweries. I think that's a distinctly American brewery, but like their beers, like the top ten beers, like three or four yeah. of like Goose Island ones. But yeah, I'm not disliking the Bishop's Finger, shall we say? <laughs> That's you know, what she yeah, said. you got to be careful who you say that in front of. But yeah, I probably wouldn't go back for two or three, because I think you would get you would start feeling a little bit sick of it, because it's quite you rich. You feel like a pudding yourself. Yeah, it's very rich. Yeah.
0: Okay, so myself and Maya, Maya's tasting and swilling and spitting out, uh, and I'm just drinking it, are on the... Strong Pale Ale is like quite an old brew from them and originally just had Goldings in, but I think they've updated it and put some cascade in to make it a bit more up with the times. Maya, do you wanna go first? How you feel about this beer?
1: Okay. I'm now two weeks sober and when I say sober I mean I haven't even had a sip of alcohol.
0: She's taking it very well.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna be honest, the fact that this is the first alcoholic beverage that's passed my lips sickens me because it's disgusting it tastes literally so metallic like it makes my I don't know like after I drink it I just have this metallic flavor left for so long maybe it's just because I've been drinking a lot of like soft drinks so, everything I've been drinking recently has been pretty sweet, and this clearly isn't sweet. So, I don't think it's a fair test, is what I'm trying to say. But I don't like it. And I, I did swallow a tiny bit of it. By the And it was, yeah, I wouldn't drink it again. I don't think it has any redeeming qualities.
0: Okay, uh, I actually don't mind it. I think it's... I don't get any of the metallic quality. I don't know what's going on there. I think it's quite strawy. It is quite bitter at the back end. I'm guessing a lot of that's coming from the Cascade. It's a bit of an odd one. It feels like it kind of starts like one of those like really summery golden ales, almost, but then doesn't really come off like it. I'd be intrigued to know what it's like on Cask. I imagine it's a bit mellower, maybe. Have you
2: it's ever awful. seen it on Cask?
0: No, I'd, I'd never seen it until we ordered more of the Shepherd Neem stuff for this episode. So, maybe, I mean, I can't. I mean, I remember the last time I went to a Shepherd named Pub.
2: It's not a beer I've ever had they're strong parallel. And I don't, no. I can't even remember the last time I've seen it. I wouldn't know it, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, taste wise, it's kind of a bit strawy, a bit meadowy, healthy, hoppy bit of finish, guessing mostly is the cascade. Um, It's, so it's fairly pleasurable. I kind of just has that sort of fieldy with a bit of like pininess. So you make it sound Coming very in-
2: palatable in comparison to Maya.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it's perfectly fine. Supposedly, there's a myth about that it was brewed because the brewers saw the morning sun sending golden shafts of light through the brew house window and onto the oak mash tun. Apparently, this beer was the first brewed was first brewed, sometimes between 1825 and 1855, making it the oldest classic collection beer
2: to date. See, now that's interesting because do you remember we were trying to find? Yeah, a tradition, a beer that had been in the same style, and we couldn't really track it down. And I must nice. admit, when we, when I was doing some research on this, and they were saying, you know," and like that 1698 one, you think, "Oh God, 1698? Maybe that's been around for years." And you're like, no, brewed in 1998. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if this one has been, if they've been making it in a similar style since 1850, yeah. then it's interesting that you've got a kind of a beer that dates back to, well, not as old as we'd like, but. Fairly old.
0: But still, fairly old. Yeah, I mean, they describe it as having a sort of golden, brilliantly bright, hoppy ale. I don't mind it. I need to try it on cask. In terms of the scores it got, on Beer Advocate, it got 4 out of 5, which is quite high. And then on Untapped, it was 3.46. Yeah, pretty high, again. And then just another, I like some of the reviews. I don't necessarily agree with this, but some of the interesting comments put, people put on the internet. Someone said that there was no sign of evasive yeast flavours right, that okay. often come with shepherd mean <laughs> beers. And I thought, well, no, there's no sign of them because they're evasive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they, they've evaded you there, mate. So, yeah. Uh, but,
0: yeah, I'd, I'd give it a go. As I said, try and cast.
2: One of the reviews I read earlier, I can't remember which beer it was for, the guy was saying I grew up in Kent and Shepherd Neem was our our usual brew, or as we always used to call it as kids, shit and scream as that's what you would be doing after a few of them.
0: <laughs> uh, how old was this, bro? Kind of, God knows.
2: Like that, that is good I-
0: So that was a nice background about sort of who they are, our opinions on them, a little bit of history and stuff, and then a review of those beers. And now we're just going to go on to their products, because they do sort of bang on about them quite a lot. Not necessarily a bad sense. And at the same time, myself and Maya are going to try Spitfire Golden Ale. So not the normal Spitfire Ooh. that we've all said we hate.
2: And also because you didn't want to drink another p- more than 5% beer.
0: I think this might be more than 5%. Ooh. Oh, no, it's 4.5.
2: That's relatively new, isn't it, that Yes, I believe so. And did you get that in your classic selection?
0: In the Ultimate Collection, yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Very fancy.
0: Yeah, I thought we would try this just because I know I don't like Spitfire. I don't
2: like
1: Spitfire.
0: Maya doesn't like it either, so I thought it would be interesting to see. So yeah, this second section is just... I quite like that. Yeah, I actually don't have a problem with it. Second section is just about their products, what they actually do, because we've kind of... Talks about the business as a whole and our impression of them all. And now I'm just going to run through some facts about the products again. Core beers are Master Brew, Bishop's Finger, Spitfire and Whitstable Bay. Uh, but they do have a range of other bits and bobs. They've got a range of seasonal beers, like Late Autumn Red? Or is it just called Autumn Red? The autumnal one, maybe it's just called Late Red. I actually quite like that one, but I've only ever had it on a cask. A couple of lagers, Spitfire Lager, uh, the Whitspool Bay Lager, and there is another lager knocking about, I can't remember what they've called it. And they've got this whole range of sort of more crafty beers now called Bear Island, which I thought was quite interesting because, Jim, you you know, you said earlier I associate Shepherd of Neem with sort of fuddy-buddy old people beer, and I... I kind of you know have a similar thing, but they've clearly started trying to move away from that into the craft, well not craft, but slightly craftier movement. In 2019, they also did something called Cask Club, where every month or something, maybe it was every week, they released more cask beers that they were limited editions, and they, they ran in uh, cooperation with other brewers, so that's quite interesting. And also in the UK, they brew by licence Samuel Adams Singer and Angry Orchard Cider, which my, you bloody love.
2: Yeah.
1: I absolutely love Angry Orchard Cider. It is delicious.
0: In terms of, like, their products, you know, I listened to this long interview with the chief executive and i've done a fair amount of reading and basically the product focus is kent so they focus all of their products in kent in the southeast and they focus the fact that their their products reflect the surrounding area and they use local hops and they just use sort of national networks to spread it they don't really focus on spreading it too much just, the southeast is where they really focus their business
2: oh one of the things i was going to say is that they don't do a lot of marketing do they anymore really no but they do obviously sponsor things like the county cricket and
0: things like that yeah i did actually read an article the other day about and it was an article from 2007 about you know when they ran all those tube adverts and stuff that were like puns on the wall yeah, yeah yeah and they did
2: the beer mats and things
0: yeah. yeah and about how that marketing campaign actually fell off didn't really help them because no one not everyone it turns out has the sense of humor of mark corrigan yeah or me jeremy arm so yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah and then the other half of their business the pubs and the hotels they seem to claim that it's all about character pubs so they've got this big internal design team that really focuses on the individuality and history of each pub and then try and bring that out as opposed to making them all look the same which i thought was quite interesting because there are definitely some pub owners don't really know public chains publicans. out there yeah exactly That try and you know make them all the
1: same my you say some of this shit i mean i will say that i'm not going to be able to give this the flair that you usually do because i have no idea what the words i'm saying mean so over the lockdown they've noticed that table service has actually exacerbated a trend that started before covid 19 which is full of flavor and percentage right, I've done th- these, <laughs> these are in my notes you won't you won't understand
0: essentially before lockdown they noticed a trend of people going away from the lower percentage beers and onto the higher percentage, really, full flavour ones, like the American Craft Movement, which we've all seen, and the focus not being necessarily on the amount of volume you drink. And what COVID-19 meant was that as they reintroduced and reopened, it was all sort of table service. So, again, people were keener to do the lower-volume drunk but higher percentage, higher flavour, as opposed to standing at a bar where you tend to need to not be shit-faced and you'd like just to kind of stand there, like, having a chat, so you're more likely to have a lower percentage... And drink lots of beer they also made an interesting comment about how they expect community pubs to really thrive now because they think less people go back to the office and so local pubs Will actually benefit. They 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 they're less hopeful for their pubs in the in London because they don't think the offices will come back 100%. And actually, that will go and boost pubs in in the local community. And then the last interesting thing they've said recently as well is that actually they've argued that the tide pub system, which is the vast majority of pubs they own, is actually been a good thing because they have allowed landlords to go on furlough or whatever and not have to pay rent, whereas. Free houses have had commercial landlords have had to pay rent and not be furloughed even If they have been furloughed, they've had to pay rent, whereas the Tide House system has allowed them to furlough everyone, take the loss on the rent or take the lack of income, whereas commercial landlords have been kicking them out. Yeah. So I thought that was quite an interesting, different approach. Do you think any of that spiel I've just kind of run through in my droney voice <laughs> kind of... Matches with any of our drinking experiences with Shepherd
2: Neame? I can't remember the last time I was in a Shepherd Neame pub, but obviously I don't live in the south.
0: I can remember when we were all in one.
1: I don't remember if I've ever been oh, in a Shepherd pub. What
2: you mean the one where we watched the rugby in not Faversham?
0: No, no, that was one time, but we've been in one since, and we actually had a jolly good time.
1: We haven't been in any pubs.
0: We have St Margaret's at Cliff. That is a Shepherd Neame
1: pub. Wasn't that the ship pub? Yeah, what? we know had... the one by Oh, the... no, the one by the beach. Oh, the yeah, that is the... a ship The one pub.
0: where they spat in James's beer.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: not that one. <laughs>
2: yeah, okay, yeah, that is a, a neem pub. It's the thing, if you're not in Dover, you're not going to get an a neem pub. I can't really comment on it, because I haven't really... You don't really see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, I, again, like I say, just because I guess from Kent, I just kind of... I just feel like it's a synonymous thing with beer. I always think, oh, yeah, shepherd name. But
2: when I really think about it, they just basically don't exist. And yet they're they're turning over £150 million a year. So...
1: I'd honestly never heard of it until... Really, probably, until we actually started doing this podcast.
2: But But you'd have seen Spitfire, had you?
1: I'd seen Whitstable Bay... I'd seen Whitstable Bay. Like, I remember when we were at that pub, St Margaret's, I remember you guys drinking Whitstable Bay. But Remy doesn't ever really buy it to drink it at home. I've never been in a Sheppard pub in London. When we go back to Kent, we actually rarely go to the pub. So it's just not really something I've ever been exposed to. And also, it's not really the type of beer that I would ever choose. Like, this Spitfire golden ale is definitely better than regular Spitfire, and I'd say that it's nicer than the strong pale ale, but I still wouldn't pick to drink it again. And, like,
0: you know, they have explicitly said, and as I mentioned, they basically focus their entire business model on the southeast, being from the southeast, it's the southeast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just out of interest, I thought as a point of conversation, if they kept exactly the same branding and message but tried to push it further afield, say, into the North East or wherever, the Midlands, wherever, Dorset, I don't know, wherever, anywhere outside the South East. Do you think the sort of branding, the message would actually take hold? Or do you think actually the reverse would happen and be like, people would go, like, well, we don't really like those arrogant twats from the South East anyway, so we're not going to drink this. Yeah,
2: I, I don't th- I don't think it would at all. And I, especially as um, they can't even really stand on the fact that the, the beer, if you know what I mean, like the beer is not the worst beer in the world, but it's also... It doesn't stand out. It's not anything special. I think virtually all the beer is pretty average.
1: It's not like Guinness, which is obviously so Irish. Like, I'm just trying to think of like a...
2: Or even I was going to say Timmy Taylor's Landlord, which yeah. is... hell of a beer. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's Brewery's not anything special, if you, if you know what I mean, but they, it's, a, it's a good beer and kind of playing off a kind of a rural thing.
0: And... Yeah, that's Yorkshire, and but you can basically get it anywhere, mm-hmm. and it's all over London. Yeah, like Jimmy Taylor's I, is in most I, London. Th- there's world. more landlord than shepherd name in London, I'd say. Whether it's all well kept landlord is a different thing. But... Okay, well, we've kind of bit through that, so now should we just talk about this beer, Maya? Yeah. The Spitfire Golden Ale. Tell me your feelings.
1: So, I prefer it to the strong pale ale. I'd say it's a bit maltier and slightly less hoppy. It still is a little bit bitter at the back end, but definitely more on the kind of light, quite malty flavour rather than the kind of hoppy, bitter flavour. It does have a bit of the kind of metallic taste to it, but I think I'm beginning to think that might just be a Shepherd Neem quality. I wouldn't drink it again. I wouldn't go out of my way to find it. If you put a pint of it down in front of me, I could probably sip my way through. I wouldn't enthusiastically drink it. So yeah, better than the last one, but I, I, think, I think not for me.
0: I actually don't mind this. It's significantly better than normal Spitfire. It's quite light. It's golden. It's kind of a, almost a bit fruity. And then it's got like a very familiar bitterness to it at the end. And then I was kind of looking up at what's actually in it. So it's got Challenger and Centennial hops in it. But also, it's something that I've not seen in an ale. Certainly not a British ale. Is it's got I don't know how you pronounce it. You know Sars or Sars mm-hmm, hops, mm-hmm. the ones that are from Bohemia. Yeah, and that's the familiar bitterness because it's almost like the back end of a Pilsner, which gives it quite an interesting dynamic. Um, I know, I've never seen that in a in a non lager. I've never seen those hops used in a non lager, which, which is quite
2: interesting on their on their part yeah, to do 100%. that. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, so it's got that like little bit of fruitiness, not a lot general British ale malty taste, and then like a kind of nice bitter finish, but nowhere near as bitter as the cascade coming in the strong Pain ale. In terms of the official spiel, if I
2: can find it, let me just consult my notes.
0: They describe it as golden ale with vibrant, fruity, flowery hop character. Palance with sweet biscuit, caramel and toffee malts. I wouldn't say it's that flowery, and I definitely agree with the biscuit and sort of... The biscuit in it. I'm not sure about the caramel the toffee. But yeah, the fruitiness, the biscuitness, and then just a nice bit of finish. What's quite interesting is this was actually made in 2015, Jim. So you're right, it's fairly recent. And it was to mark the 75th anniversary of the Battle of Britain. So 25 years before that in the 90s, that's when they made Spitfire, Spitfire the original. Yeah. Anyway, it's 4.3%, so it's fairly palatable, it's fairly manageable. Probably be quite good on cask. I also think, though, I feel like it could be a decent keg beer. And it's not often I say that. Would you rather in have
2: it to of- a master brew?
0: I'd probably rather have Master Brew. Mm-hmm. I actually don't mind Master Brew. It's very dependable. But now I've had it, I actually think I will try it next time I'm in the pub.
2: If you ever see it.
0: If I ever see it, Because yeah, that is the problem.
2: Is... It's few and far between.
0: Yeah, a part of me does want to go into a Shepherd Neem pub this yeah. week and...
2: Track it down and just get stuck in.
0: In terms of the online scores, Beer Advocate, it got 3.37. And just out of interest, normal Spitfire got 3.62. So one thing I will say, though, there was an excellent quote on Beer Advocate, to do with the head. So when I poured it, the head disappeared kind of fairly quickly and I noticed a few people on Beer Advocate mentioning that. And then this person wrote, gold body looks like a French aristocrat during the revolution, won't keep its head.
2: <laughs> These people have got far too much free time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I that. Who's thought of it, but also, fair enough, mate.
1: That is good.
0: And then on un- Untappd Quickly got 3.38. Feels way better than 3.38 compared to 2.59 for Carly. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, yeah, so on to beer three. Now, beer three, the section with beer three, is all about the ingredients. And guess what?
1: There's a quiz! There's a quiz about the ingredients. We are drinking Shepherd Neem's Master Brew. Ah,
2: you've saved the best till last.
1: The original Kentish Ale, and it's got on the front of it a picture of some very depressed people who have been picking hops. Not a single one of them is smiling. That's just because
2: they're from the, from
1: the south.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the like quite poor families in East London used to go down and do the hop picking as like the equivalent of their holiday, and they still got paid. Which is obviously mortifyingly sad in this day and age. Wow.
1: Shepherd Neame has built its brewing reputation on Master Brew, the original Kentish Ale. Benefiting from the same EU protection afforded to champagne, this iconic beer combines malted barley with renowned varieties of Kentish hops such as Admiral, Target and Goldings.
2: I do think it's a bit rich to chuck the word champagne in when describing your own beer. I think that's very much pat yourself on the back. You know, we're clearly very chuffed with ourselves. Just say the word champagne and people will assume... It's fancy.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say too much on that, just because maybe something on that will come up in the quiz, I don't know.
2: And interesting about the EU protection thing as well, because all the beers seem to have it. We will be coming on to that. Right, I thought so.
1: Of the three, this one smells the best.
0: It's their best beer, in my opinion. Well, that or the Whitsville Bay, to be fair. But this is a bit more sort of standard alien Not as trendy. A bit more
2: tolerable. I've also opened the 1698, which... Uh isn't going down anyway, near as quickly as the bishop's finger
1: I was going to say I'll be interested to see what you make of it because I didn't like it
2: it's hard work
1: I'm glad though that you, you're saying that because a lot of the time I think oh it's just me I'm just a wuss no I
2: think I mean it's six and a half percent for God's sake it's got a lot it, it's, it's pretty potent bottle conditioned even <coughs> oh you've enjoyed that Maya do you not like the master brew one of Remy's oh, favourites the nice. She's having another sip. It's
1: perfectly palatable.
2: Sip it a spit. Oh There's no need to gag into the, the spittoon like that.
1: <laughs> it's nice at the beginning, horrible at the end.
0: Yeah, the sixteen ninety eight is a bit it's a bit much.
2: They even advocate that you should like buy it and leave it in the cupboard for like six months to let it mature <laughs> like a bottle of wine. That's just nonsense, isn't it?
0: So is there yeast in it?
2: Yeah, it's like live yeast. That's oh, so yeast. Probably it's bottle-conditioned. Bottle bottle. It reckons yeah. it's bottle-conditioned. And it does say, like, feel free to leave it to settle and then it will mature <laughs> the flavour, blah, 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 blah. I can't imagine many people doing that. It's also, I you can it. only get it in bottle. You can't, but it's not available on cask.
0: It's not on draft at all? No, not at all. Look, I, I don't know if that's
2: because of the bottle conditioning thing but yeah you can only get it in bottled. so
0: we're going to go through the ingredients because they make a big song and dance about the ingredients about how they're all kentish etc etc and you know it's all local and all the rest of it but we're going to do it through the medium of a quiz because otherwise this podcast this entire episode would have just been me talking about shepherd name so it's only six questions it's jimmy against Meyer. question number one what is an aquifer Question number one, what is an aquifer?
2: I have no idea. Is it something that passes water through an ingredient to wash it? Like you put the wheat or the barley or the hops in something, like a bath, and you aquify it by pushing water through it. It's just a guess.
0: I like it. Good good invention. Maya, any ideas on aquifer?
1: Um, Is it a... Specific Kentish hop.
0: Okay, you're both wrong. (laughs) Jimmy Jimmy is closer because it does involve water.
2: Yeah! (laughs) I thought that was obvious.
0: So, an aquifer is a body of rocks or sediment that holds groundwater. In Faversham, the aquifer underneath the town is all chalk, and that's where they get the water for from Uh, the brewing. But the water they use, they've had certified as actual mineral water.
2: Chalky mineral water...
0: Yeah, exactly. I guess it's hard. Hard water, wouldn't it be, if it's chalky?
2: Chalky is soft. No, no, it is hard. No, clay right. soft. Clay isn't soft. Chalky is hard because we have to have you have to have water softener to your yeah 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 yeah.
0: It's hard. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but anyway, both of you're wrong. Question number two: How many strains of yeast does Shepherd Neem use? How many strains of yeast do Shepherd Neem use?
2: Across the whole portfolio.
1: Across all of the stuff. Yes. Three. Jimmy, you. Three. Okay, I was gonna say you can go first. Well, do you need different types of yeast for like lager, ale?
0: Yes. Different yeast go at different temperatures, and different yeast provide different flavour profiles.
1: Are you gonna give a point to whoever's closer?
0: Depends how close.
1: My. What did you? (laughs) Twenty. Yeah. What did you say, Jimmy? Three. Three. Okay, the fact that you've said three makes me think that it must be under ten. Trust me, because no idea.
2: Don't, be, don't think that.
1: Surely there aren't that many different types of yeast that can even go in beer.
2: Mm, there's a few.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say it's more than three because they've got too many different types of different things. And if all of those beers could be made using the same yeast, I'd find that a bit sus. If you so. were
2: clever you would say four and then basically hedging your bets you are gonna be closer <laughs> if it's virtually anything.
1: No, but that I wanna make it a bit more interesting. So I'm gonna say seven.
0: It is in fact six, so here my you can have the point. Fair play. Yeah, so they use six strains of uh, each batch is used eight to twelve times before it's replaced with a fresh culture that they either buy from the National Yeast Bank mm. or from a global partner, so a commercial partner who sells them the yeast. Yeah, so different yeasts go different temperatures, mm. like we discussed in the Lager Ale episode. Top and so bottom is colder. Yeah, yeah, ale warmer usually, and they provide different flavor profiles and bits like that with their esters. Question number three. What percentage of Shepardneam hops come from within 15 miles of their brewery? What percentage of Shepardneam hops come from within 15 miles of their brewery?
2: One hundred.
0: Maya?
1: I think it's got to be high, because to have all of these accreditation things that they have, obviously that's regional. So for them to do that, pretty high amount would need to be there. I doubt... I don't think it's a oh, Fifty miles is the...
2: pretty small, isn't it, to be fair?
1: Yeah, but that would be the exact sort of thing they do. Like, a hundred percent of our hops are from We Love Kent. You know? I definitely think it's higher than 50. Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I have to do this sober. It's good job none of our
0: listeners, definitely not the majority of them, live in
1: Kent. Yeah. 75, three quarters, 75%.
0: Okay, I'm going to give Maya the point because it's actually 80%, so oh, fair. Yeah, it's 80%. Uh, the other 20% car are imported. Most of them are the American hops uh, they get for the like the new Bear Island stuff or the fact that, you know, they put the Cascade in Spitfire Goldnail. Those hops tend to be from places like Wyoming where the, it's a lot more sunshine and what uh, Shepherd name seems to think that Well, I think it's probably a wildly accepted thing. But because there's a lot more sunshine there, the hops tend to have a stronger aroma. And that is obviously the case the vast majority of US hops would pack a bit more of a punch.
2: Nice.
0: So on to question number four. What is Shepherd Neem's signature hop? So what's their favourite hop? What is their signature hop, their favourite hop? Jimmy, desperately searching for the bottle.
1: Yeah, you've got all the bottles by you. Do you want one of the bottles? Yeah, let me have a look at one of the bottles it's not going to help me doesn't actually say is it i don't know am i allowed to give three answers
0: (laughs) mosaic okay thank you mosaic for jim maya for you and no maya you have to give one type of hop because the question is what is their signature hop not signature hops
1: okay well i think it's either admiral
0: you have to give one answer well
1: i'm just talking i'm just I'm just showing my workings to the group. (laughs) This isn't your maths GCSE. Because I might get half a point for my working. Minus point. I think it's either Admiral, Target or Goldings. Because when I introduced Master Brew, I read the little thing on the podcast. Those who've been paying attention will remember that I said. With renowned varieties of Kentish hops, such as Admiral, Target and Goldings. So. What are you going to pay? Well, I, ugh, whatever I pick, it's going to be the wrong fucking one, isn't it? Admiral.
0: Okay, you're both wrong. Uh, Mosaic, I think, might be a US hop variety, Jim. But, it, I mean, that doesn't mean it's not their favourite hop, obviously. It be. Really could be. To say. It's not Mosaic, it's not Admiral. It is the East Kent Golding.
1: So, so if I'd have said Goldings, that would have been right.
0: Mm, no, not quite, because you can get Goldings, um, which are the same variety, but East Kent Goldings... Are very specific okay. supposedly there's something about the there's obviously the fact they're on the chalk and then also because kent largely is actually kind of forms one large peninsula supposedly the sort of salty winds that come in off the thames estuary and those help develop a specific flavour to Goldings grown in east kent you both look thrilled
2: i i literally was just quickly uh, googled the li- not to cheat but afterwards i was like oh the, the list of hops there's fucking loads, isn't there? I knew there was. I knew there was, but there's a hell of a lot.
0: I was going to make this six, but I actually don't like my question number five. No. I don't like it. Do away so with it. we have five questions. We're going to yeah. get rid of it. Balls to it. So we'll finish with the last question, which was question number six, but of course now it's question number five. Nice. Thank you. What is protected designations of origin? What is protected designations of
2: origin. Is it like the Cornish pasty thing and the champagne region of France?
0: If you can give me a little more than that, even though I know what you're trying to say. It's a product that can only be produced
2: in that geographical region. You know, you can't make champagne out of the champagne region of France. You can make sparkling wine, but to call it champagne and write champagne on the bottle, it has to be made in the champagne region of France. A Cornish pasty can only be made in Cornwall, you can make a pasty. You can't make a Cornish pasty. And apparently Bishop's Finger can only be made in East Kent. You can't have a Bishop's Finger wherever you want it outside of East Kent. <laughs> okay,
0: my
1: Yeah, well again, it's like the thing I, I read from the beginning about it, when they compared it to champagne. It's something that the production and farming and all of that has to happen within the designated region, and if it happens outside of that region, you know you can still make it you just can't call it that like you know those are the cheeses have it, don't they like you can only make that type of cheese in that region it ha- I believe when it's kind of like set so for example, if you were setting up champagne, you'd be like, these are the conditions kind of it was made from this is where it was farmed this is where it was produced and for it to be called champagne it needs to be done in that way
0: yeah so you're both right really both done the right thing so all the preparation processing production of everything uh, has to happen in that region specifically like i just mentioned with east kent goldings there are certain factors that only occur in that region that give them a certain flavor so that hop itself has pdo itself
2: and does that mean you can't grow it outside of there
0: you can but it's not an East Kent Golding then, it's just a Golding hop.
2: Right. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah, precisely. And then, so a lot of these beers, Shepherd name have got PDO for them, because all of it's done in Kent, it's all using Kent hops, blah, 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 blah. And the way they do them are unique to Kent. I guess part of that would also be the use of the Oast House, I'm guessing, and other things yeah. like that that don't really exist outside.
2: Surely as well means that their beers can't be brewed on licence anywhere.
0: Yes. Yeah, 100%. To get that, you can get a lower level under the EU scheme. So, a lot of the bottles, if you look at them, I'm guessing were produced before we left the European Union.
2: Mine have got two, some of them have got two on them. Mine yeah have two yeah, exactly. symbols.
0: So, I guess they've still applied to have the EU stuff. And if you, so PDO is the highest level, and then there's two levels below that, whereby the link isn't as strong to the land. With the flavour, it's more just the way they do things in certain regions. But these have all got the highest level. And then on a couple of them, there's like the British equivalent that didn't really exist until we left the year as well. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. and I guess that is a nice thing about their stuff. Even if you don't like it too much, it is very specific to Kent. And that is definitely something they trade on. In terms of the scores on the doors, it's a bloody resounding 3-1 win for Maya.
2: What? I got one!
0: <laughs> you got one right.
2: The last one.
0: Yep. Price. You are an idiot. Yeah.
1: To be fair, I only that I only got that from guessing numbers. That wasn't anything to do with knowledge. Yeah,
2: good guessing.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of just been a little run through. There are a few interesting other things. So I did look at a specific deep dive into these Kent Golding. So the is supposed to be floral, slash slightly spicy, honey and earthy. Bittering characteristics. Sweet, smooth and honey like at the same time, supposedly. No. Not sure how that works. And they give it a 6 out of 10 flavour intensity. They reckon then it's a classic British hop, good for bittering and later hopping, which I guess kind of makes sense. As I said, it's got PDO, and there's this whole thing about the Thames Estuary adding to the flavour.
2: Oh my god, the Thames Estuary adding to the flavour. It tastes like corpse and human (laughs) faeces.
0: And mud. Yeah. Lots and lots of silt. Um, yeah, so that's quite interesting. In terms of when they harvest their hops they ha- they harvest them over three weeks from late August to September, and then they dry them to about ten percent of the moisture vacuum pack them and shag them off to the factory
2: during your research round, did you afterwards feel more endeared towards Shepherd Knee than previously
0: Kind of yeah, I did because I do like the fact that they're you know i don't want to say back to basics. this isn't John Traditional. Major in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, like they stick to their guns, and also they've not got a kind of this makes me sound really anti capitalist, and I'm not, but like a really you know, no thought behind it brand. They know they, they're, they're brand not commercial, in yeah, yeah, they're not over, obviously, they want to make money. And they believe in that. But they're not just going to sell out for anything. They believe yeah. in the products and, and stuff like that. So I think that was nice. Yeah, I feel a bit more endowed to them. But fundamentally for me, I mean...
1: Endeared to them. Oh, yeah, sorry. Endowed. Endowed, endowed. Feel sorry.
2: Endeared. Oh, really? <laughs> you should remember that, Maya, just in case, you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: But generally, my opinion hasn't... In terms of how I feel about the beer hasn't changed, I just guess I kind of respect them more as a business, I guess. Yeah,
1: I mean... After trying these three beers my opinions on their beers have not changed but I do think that it that it is good to have somebody who is championing you know a very specific kind of British thing but not like tooting their horn about it. Like maybe they are uh, if you go on their website and stuff like that, but you know, you're not seeing constant adverts for this British beer and you know, all of that. So it it is kind of a bit unsung in that way, which I think is quite good. Yeah, it
0: is quite nice to see someone who's just confident about their product. Yeah. And is like, okay, take us or leave us. Yeah, like but.
1: they know they know their market. Yeah. They know their market isn't probably going to respond well to like fancy instagram adverts like that's not going to reach the people who are realistically going to be buying a lot of chapanim. so they just have been like well we don't need to do that and i do think it'll be interesting to see what they do with this bear island kind of branch of it um and whether they do go for a more nationwide marketing approach
0: okay so shall we just finish off with a little um, review of these last beers we've drunk jim do you want to talk us through 1698 which of course was the official founding year of shepherd and name
2: yeah i'm i'm not enamored with the 1698 to be honest it's brewed in 1998 i think we've discussed this before on the kind of the anniversary of the founding of the brewery and it was brewed in memory of that whether that's it's meant to taste like a beer from the time i don't know they don't really kind of say that so i assume not they just describe it as a strong ale it is 6.5 percent like i said earlier you can't get it on cast you can only get it in the bottle and it's pretty full-on it's you know i'm not really enjoying it i've drank about half of it I'm probably not going to finish it for the sake of it. I mean, it's an interesting idea that you've got this bottle-conditioned strong beer with yeast in it that you either is, you know, and they kind of say, oh, yeah, feel free to buy it and leave it in the cupboard for six months and let it mature, but let's, like, no-one's doing that, are they? The people that are buying this are buying it because it's a, a strong beer. That's the bottom line. I saw a couple of things that said, um, on Untapped, people said it's a bit like a Belgian beer. I mean, one bloke said, um, Oh yeah, reminds me a bit like a Belgian beer. But saying that they've been making it for three hundred years, so uh, <laughs> cle- clearly doesn't know the history of the beer. Not saying you should know the history of the beer, but if you're leaving reviews on Untapped, that makes you think you know enough about beer that you you would maybe know that. I'm not saying the average person should know how long this beer's been around, but at the same time, if you're if you can be bothered enough to leave a review, maybe know yeah. how long the beer's been going. And I, I kind of got what he meant though about this kind of Belgian beer. But saying that, having had like, if you have like, if you've had like Quark or something like that, Rem, which yeah. is about six and a half percent, if you said to me would you rather have one of those or, or this, I'd probably rather have the the Neen beer because it's strong and it's potent, but it doesn't have that kind of banana. We've talked about it before. Strong beers have that kind of banana-y taste. It doesn't really have that. Well, not for me anyway. So it's more palatable, but it's still just, it's a bit much. I mean, even. Maybe I should have drank this before the Bishop's Finger, purely because, you know, obviously the first beer always goes down easier. But I did kind of make a conscious decision of like, I'll build up to the six and a half percenter. But yeah, it's just heavy going. Like, I, I don't really think I'd want to get stuck into a few of them at all.
1: I found as well, like, you know, with the marketing of that one, you know, it's from what I've seen the only shepherd beer that has the three lions on it yes it's really being it's really pushing the kind of like hardcore <laughs> english i guess for me the reason i picked it when we did it in the episode before was because to me it looked like a like brexit beer yeah. it looked like a brexit beer do you know what i mean like that sort of thing
2: whereas like i said the bishop's finger was like a dessert beer it's very rich that was Rich and strong, but more palatable than this. So, yeah, for me, it's a thumbs down on the 1698. Again, did I take the untapped score earlier? I thought I did, but maybe I didn't. It got 3.55.
0: Fucking hell, that's quite high. That's
2: quite high. But the one thing I will say, I had a quick look, because it it tells you how many reviews there's been. Mm. So there's only been 16,000 reviews of the 1698, whereas the... India Pale Ale has had 34,000 reviews and the Bishop's Finger, which obviously is more popular, has had 41,000 reviews. So you can see that the 1698 is not anywhere near as popular. But still, it's not a bad score. But I suppose the thing is, the people that are buying that beer and reviewing it...
0: Uh, probably gonna like the beer but they they know
2: what they're getting themselves into aren't they you're not picking that up and going oh this will you know i'll try this the people that are buying it there's like a core group of probably blokes who are like oh actually yeah this is what i want to drink
0: yeah there's no fresh eyes on it no Mm. okay so the master brew give me your thoughts
1: didn't love it I didn't hate it. I'd say that it's better than the strong pale ale. It had a nicer... I'd say of the three, it had the nicest kind of like starting notes, if you will. But then it... I actually found it a bit hoppy, but also a bit bananery. Really? Yeah. And again, I I don't know whether I'm just really thrown off because I'm not actually like drinking the beer (laughs) and because I haven't drunk any alcohol for a while, so maybe maybe that's throwing me all off kilter but yeah it's it's not my favorite i think the spitfire golden would be my favorite of the three you've drunk then the master brew then the strong pale ale i really didn't like the strong pale ale and i do think that the master brew is better than that but there's nothing about the master brew that i would say i find unique or special you know really like yeah special sets it apart from anything It just kind of tastes like a generic ale to me that's a bit too hoppy for my personal tastes. But I can see why it's inoffensive and people would like it. It's just, yeah, I just think not for me. So I I like Master Beer anyway.
0: I definitely agree, though, it's not like a world-beating beer. I actually think it's just quite easygoing. Um, I think it's a lot lot better on cask than it is out of a bottle. I think it's quite herby, almost. It's like got a herby sort of character to it, and I kind of quite like that. And then it's got a sort of sweetness and bitter finish that kind of balance it all off. And I, the the one thing I would say is it's is, it's not watery, but it's quite light at the end. And I, I like it because it's just an easy-drinking good beer, but also I quite like the herby stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I I uh, get where you're coming from, and, yeah, I, I don't think it's a world-beater. I just think it's pretty easy-going. I quite like a pint of it every now and then. In terms of what the internet said. Beer Advocate gave it 3.36 and someone commented it could be very drinkable if if its dullness didn't bore which I think is a bit harsh (laughs) and then Untapped gave it 3.19 so it's probably one of the worst performing beers we've had here which is a shame. Okay, well that was kind of a long wind up on shepherd meme. i hope it's been fairly informative and not too boring, um,
2: not boring. you can hope
0: <laughs> also one thing i would like to say before we leave um i had my crate of the ultimate collection shipped to my mum and dad's because i thought it was going to be at my mum and dad's and they said it was going to be next day delivery but then because it was a saturday it turned out it wouldn't be a next day delivery and it would come on the monday afterwards and i wouldn't be at mom and dad's and i rang up and i explained the situation and actually they were very helpful and they just shipped it to my mum and dad's next day. So fair play to their customer service. Yeah, their customer they, service was very good. They sorted it pretty quickly. So <laughs> I, I bet they're that's so glad making.
2: they got you those beers now that you've absolutely lampooned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've quite liked all three of mine, actually.
2: And what did you get in your, just out of interest, we've mentioned the... the- what did you get in the chest
0: the strong pale ale the 1698 the ipa the double stout the bishop's finger the master brew the spitfire the spitfire golden ale the whitstable bay ruby ale the whitstable bay organic ale and the whitstable bay pale
2: ale and it's one of each but then they gave you like two of the whitstable bay or something didn't they yeah yeah
1: and we're saving the whitstable ruby for when i can drink again because we think that might be to my palate Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into all things Shepherd Neem. Please make sure to subscribe and like wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a follow over on Instagram, where our handle is at Luggletops Podcast. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.